Welcome to Zero to Start, a podcast about Unity VR development from concept to Oculus Test Channel with your hosts, Ceciliana Trevino and Melanie Menzel. On Zero to Start, Melanie and I take you behind the scenes of our quest as beginner VR devs to create a VR portfolio that Melanie can submit to the Oculus Start program for independent developers. Oculus Start provides access to Oculus hardware, developer tools, a community network, and other resources. Developers receive a box of goodies that typically includes an Oculus VR headset as well as a prized Oculus Start sweatshirt. For my first VR project, I'm making a sound healing experience using the Unity game engine, which is free to download, the 3D painting app called Piltbrush, and a new piece of music I'm creating with my didgeridoo an ethereal sounding drum called a rav drum, some heavenly sounding chimes, and various percussion instruments to create a soundscape story within the VR environment to take listeners on a journey into a deep, calm, relaxing, and regenerative space. Creating my first VR experience will also help me achieve my goal of bringing VR development and education to Berkeley Community Media, where I'm the outreach director. On today's episode, we're diving more into how I got into VR, why we got into podcasting, and how we overcame some of our early technical challenges. We'll also cover my new VR workstation and share what I've been exploring in VR, as well as highlighting a few of the many incredible VR art communities that will inspire you as you begin your VR journey. background is in documentary filmmaking and you started in VR by hosting the first VR meetups in downtown Berkeley called Off Planet VR just before the launch of the Oculus Rift headset in 2016. That's the headset that I'm actually using for my initial project here. It was the first chance I got to try all kinds of VR experiences. You featured local creators like 360 filmmaker Kevin Coons, Follow the White Rabbit creator Nicole Lazaro, and Emily Ullman with Hopscotch Interactive who's now a CEO and co-founder of Spatial First, which is pioneering immersive commercial real estate apps. Off Planet also featured some of the earliest demos of social VR from High Fidelity, as well as some cool demos from UC Berkeley's VR club. I loved the High Fidelity. I wish that was around these days. High Fidelity was the brainchild of Second Life co-creator Philip Rosdale and was an early pioneer in the social VR space. It was this open sandbox environment that allowed creators to create their own virtual worlds where they could meet and interact and party and play. Community is really essential to launching a career in VR. VR development is difficult to do on your own, not impossible, but you really need to reach out to see what's happening because there's a good chance if you have an idea someone's already doing it. So you want to do your homework and understand where your idea is going to differentiate from what's available. It also helps if you have a certain amount of optimism and way of seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. And I had that in spades when I started my first VR project. It was a collaboration in 2016 with electric sitar player Gabby Lala. Together, we raised $10,000 on Kickstarter for Snow Angel VR, our 360 music video app for her psychedelic punk band, which had just released their first studio album. As they were playing shows, we would be demoing, during the breaks, we'd be demoing the Snow Angel experience on the Gear VR. 
was my first time working with Android mobile devices, which was a bit of a rude awakening because I thought I'd be able to do all this work and teach myself in a few months. But in the end, uh, with all the trial and error, it took about a year and a half and I could have easily kept working on it. I published the app on the Google Play Store for the Gear VR headset, which now unfortunately is obsolete. You made it for the Gear VR and then that's it. You can't, you can't put it on the Rift or Rift S. I can build it out for the Rift or for the Quest. Two of the music videos were originally made as a 2D flat video. Mm-hmm. And the third one for the track We Love was specifically made in 360. And that music video is actually available on YouTube right now. So if you have a Quest, you can follow the link, which we'll put in the show notes, oh, cool. and play that um, through the quest youtube app and it it actually looks really great i'm I'm really happy with the way that it looks on the quest but as far as transferring the overall experience i would have to go back into unity and redesign kind of from the ground up Mm -hmm. um, because i had initially made the app on a platform called insta vr so and that was like a subscription-based platform that once you ended the subscription, all of your experiences that you built with it would have a watermark, a a branded watermark on your work. If you were accessing the experience while you had an internet connection, if you turn off the Wi-Fi, there's a way to launch the app and it won't display the watermark, but if typically it's it's not as easy to distribute but yeah at some point I could go back to it it was just such a great experience I thought it was you know it'd be a shame not to be able to access it again and I'm glad to hear it is accessible it taught me a lot about how to create a gaze activated experience without the use of a handheld controller which actually Mm -hmm. at the time wasn't as pervasive. The Gear VR was, along with the Google Cardboard headsets, were some of the earliest ways that people were able to access VR without having a high-end laptop or VR-ready PC. Every step of VR development has been really challenging. But what gave me the confidence to continue pursuing VR development was getting into the START program. So I thought a podcast that goes through the process of creating a VR piece and submitting it to the program could inspire others who are looking to transition into VR, but as beginners could use a little extra help in discovering ways to get there and seeing what kinds of opportunities are out there to get your hands on equipment and access to resources. And I also wanted to share things I wish I knew when I first started in VR. But you know, it's interesting because the process is constantly changing and advancing. So the things that I was doing to develop experiences, some of those tools and some of the hardware isn't even available anymore. So the podcast also helps keep me up to date on what's new. I find it great that because we have to record remotely, we are trying these different modalities and we found Zoom with mixed results on the audio. So we started using this new platform called Zencaster, which allows us to record our podcast over the web in lossless 16-bit 44.1K WAV files so we can get the best possible audio to work with. So far, so good. 
I think it's really cool. We got off to a patchy start, which happened to coincide with the COVID-19 outbreak, throwing us for a loop after we spent weeks putting together our studio production workflow. Initially, in our previous episodes, we were testing out our TriCaster Mini from the TV station, which is a PC workstation. It's a mobile switcher used for broadcast, and we wanted to see if we could use it for Unity VR development. As it turned out, the TriCaster can't be updated to Windows 10, which we need for VR. That was the reason we ran into the Oculus install error from our last episode, so I was left without a system for weeks until the BCM board came to our rescue. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that was a bit odd because checking the specs of our system was one of the first things we did, and we thought we were on Windows 10, so I think it goes to show how easy it is to miss something so simple, whether you're an expert or a beginner. And it's something that you can expect at any stage of development where you're sure you've checked a setting, but go back to find that it was incorrect. So you really can't take your knowledge or experience for granted. And I think that's why I like the development process because it does keep you on your toes mm -hmm. and, and it keeps you humble. At least it does for me. Fortunately, the BCM board of directors recently approved the purchase of a VR-ready PC, and I was able to get a really cool system, and we're back on track. We purchased an Asus G11 i7-6700 CPU desktop computer powered by a 7th generation Intel Core processor and NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1080 graphics card. It comes with 16 gigabytes of RAM and has six USB ports, including two 3.1 ports. Basically, it's a high-end gaming computer with a 512 gigabyte solid-state drive and not only does it run really cool because of the multiple vents, it also looks really cool when it's turned on. It has kind of a glowing red, futuristic look. Nice. That's exciting. And I'm glad that you were able to get the support from the BCM board. A lot of gratitude to them for recognizing the power and innovation of VR and for bringing BCM into the future by expanding its capability to support VR education and development. Yeah, big thanks to the executive director, Brian Scott, and the board for their support. We're back on track. I installed Unity Hub, which automatically installed Visual Studio 2017 and gives me the ability to install and manage multiple versions of Unity. The versions I installed are variations of 2019.3 and 2018.4. Congratulations, Melanie, <laughs> on getting your new system Thank up you. and running. Yep. And you were able to install Oculus and Unity. And now you're diving into VR art making tools and social experiences. What have you been trying out so far? Well, I want to say there's been some great tutorials that I've watched on YouTube and followed the links for Tilt Brush and, and then also poking around in alt space. There's amazing lectures that you can go to as though you're in a lecture hall. And those are the most intriguing for me where I really get to know how to use the equipment that I'm working with. In Altspace, they have the campfire, uh -huh. which is great for getting to kind of talk and get to know people a little bit in that space. It's but their lobby, right? It's like yeah, a it's lobby. like a lobby. And I feel almost like I'm a little bit shy because I'm not very confident with what I'm doing. But the one lecture I went to today was called Unique Ways of Making. And it was hosted by this guy who was in British Columbia, and he teaches at Emily Carr University of Art and Design. And he was going through different ways of um, role making and ways to figure out how to 
come up with creative ideas. And I just thought it was really interesting because he was talking about really analog kind of ways of being more creative and come up with ideas of how can you think about things differently instead of just like on a two-dimensional kind of plane. So it was really interesting to be in this audience and some of the people were younger voices asking questions and there was an older person that I kind of was like, okay, let's do this role play thing where I'm Siri and you're the questions person, you know, asking Siri different things. And it's just the process of exploring things that you don't really tend to think about. So I, I'm pretty excited about the possibilities of, of creating a learning environment for video or, you know, there's all kinds of different places to go in, in alt space, including making your own television show where people can tune in and you can have guests call in and create communities. A really good example of a talk show in alt space is The Hive, hosted by Nava Berg and created by Vivian Chazen. Alt space was originally an independent company which was about to go out of business. In fact, I think they went dark for a, a minute and then they were purchased by Microsoft and have really blazed the trail for establishing a space where you can have events. And what's really cool about Altspace too is that they have pre-made templates that you can use uh, as a foundation for meeting spaces and events. And then they just launched a new feature where you can create ticketed events in VR. I mean, those ticketed events would also raise money for organizations or people? Sure. Cool. That's I mean, I haven't tried a ticketed event in Altspace, yeah. but it, it just came out. And you're creating, you're learning Unity for Altspace to create worlds? Essentially, it's a tool that connects your Altspace account to your Unity project so that you can upload the templates and the world straight from Unity to alt space and then you go in your headset and you can test it out Sweet. it's pretty cool yeah it sounds yeah. cool cool have you gone into vr chat yet i went into vr chat but i'm not super excited about it because i'm maybe i'm just still shy about talking to people and what i what i have to offer and what i'm trying to look for i just want to explore right now and so i'm finding the more artistic things like the tilt brush and the google blocks to be more so not non-social VR experiences. No, I've, I've enjoyed some of the social VR, but more in the alt space. The VR chat feels more like I'm expected to have something specific to, to contribute or something, and I don't, I don't feel like I have anything yet. You know, I'm just still grasp grabbing up information, kind of like a newbie, right? I'm like, oh, I'm on in this awkward stage of learning the controls and like moving around and and uh, chatting. Like, do you do feel like exposed? I feel very, I feel this weird sensation of being exposed when I'm in there. I feel. Yeah. Like... I felt like there was a, there was a couple people who, who were very nice. They're like, yeah, just remember, you know, it's just a virtual world and don't take it personally that if anybody gives you a hard time or harasses you and I'm like, really? <laughs> people are going to come <laughs> and harass me. Like, yeah, it happens all the time. I'm like, okay, well I'll just be over here in the corner. And I've had people come up to me and be like, Hey, Hey, don't ignore, don't ignore me. 
um, I'm like, well, I'm just trying to figure out how to put away my camera because it's really distracting to me. <laughs> I have this big thing out in my visual space. And they're like, oh, okay, as long as you're not ignoring me. Like, okay, <laughs> don't take it personally. Okay. And, you know, they have this cool avatar and I'm like in this just dorky little avatar body. You know, there's people who spend a lot of time in that space and they create specific avatars with custom tattoos and you know it's a pretty sophisticated world for sure it's yeah people spend a a lot of energy there vr chat is something that i i don't have the i guess the bandwidth for no i mean vr chat (laughs) is again another one of the really early pioneers of social vr and a lot of strange and unusual and amazing things happen it's good to have a variety of different social platforms where you can find your own pace and kind of connect with your own aesthetic, you know, and mm-hmm. the way that you enter into a world and how you navigate. But I, jumping between those worlds, you can see how there is this sort of user friction in how to open and close your camera, how to get mm-hmm. back home, how to mm-hmm. create a bubble, and how to respond. To that point, I feel like I'm not there to play games so much as to explore and terms of understanding how things work and learn and be more on the more mature side but it's it's interesting you know to check it out for a minute and I think it could also be cool to learn some dance moves if I was gonna go to the disco (laughs) the 80s disco or something so you mentioned you were you started to use Tilt Brush and Google Blocks. And those are the platforms we'll be using to build your scene that we will bring into Unity and then export into the Oculus Test Channel. Right. Yeah, that has been really eye-opening how you can refine your skills and be able to use the tools to make really nice. Um, There's some tutorials in there so you can check out what other artists have done. And when you upload their artwork, it upload it loads in the order that they created it. So you can see the process. You can also do like a quick start and just have it load. But um, there's some techniques to be able to move through the space in this one tutorial that I was watching and create the different scenes and scapes that you're, um, this one was about um, a cityscape with people on balconies and it was it's really eye-opening world so when I tried the google blocks on my own um <laughs> I didn't quite have as much skill but it's it's cool and I'm looking forward to seeing how it all fits together uh, the tilt brush again I had another tilt brush tutorial that taught me a lot and I like the way that you can do this use this mirroring tool and it mirrors everything that you draw. So you're you're working on developing your skills, transforming them from a two-dimensional concept world into the 3D world where you're actually standing in the middle of your art. And I love that so much. The other thing that I really liked was this feature. It's an advanced feature in the Tilt Brush where you can place a timeline through your artwork, uh, like a little train that goes through, like a camera that goes through the the dolly move yeah the dolly the move. tracking tracking yeah, shot that's it so i really like the dolly tracking move where you can 
make marker points through your artwork. I feel like that could be a way that I could storytell with my my didgeridoo music because I feel like it could take you on that journey through that visual landscape. How are you getting inspired to start concepting the landscape or have you even made the music piece that you're going to be using or are you still writing that? I have been recording using Ableton. It's an audio program that allows you to layer your different instruments and the feeling I get is I don't want it to be too busy. I want it to have like a unfolding kind of feel. So it'll be like a start to finish experience, almost like a guided meditation. I'm trying to figure out how long the music should be. Going back to some of the things we said earlier in the podcast about setting achievable goals. Mm -hmm. You want a music track that is going to be relatively simple to perform and then something that won't tax you as you're making your first VR experience. Mm -hmm. So something within a three minute to five minute range. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Something cool. a little short for your first time, right? Yeah. Like if you try to do something a little bit more than that, I think it can take longer. It's just going to take that much longer to produce. You have to put that much more art into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to create a longer piece, you could have them in chapters. I wanted to highlight just a few groups on Facebook that focus on sharing artistic work and resources, uh, places where you can connect with artists and ask questions, starting with XR Artists, led by 3D artist and illustrator and animator Kevin Eng. He was in my Oculus Launchpad cohort last year. The next group is VR Art Live, led by Savvy Life. It's a group that focuses on tutorials and helpful resources for VR art applications, live streaming setups, and VR art content production. The next group is Learning Unity for VR AR artists, led by Holiday Horton. There's the Tilt Brush Artists group and Immersive Animation. It's a group all about motion output created in and for immersive technology, virtual reality, augmented reality. It also covers apps like Quill, Anim VR, Tavori, as well as motion capturing systems, gesture control devices, and full body suit. And now that your system's all ready to go, we can focus our next few episodes on VR world building in Unity. We'll take a closer look at render pipelines, how to choose one for your Unity project, how to navigate the user interface, and upload your project scene to the Oculus test channel. I can't wait, Melanie. I can't finally... wait either. It's been Amazing. so long. <laughs> so long, but we have a goal. It's a good thing we started early before all of this. And it's a really cool timestamp on what the world's been going through and, and paralleling our own worlds. So it's, it's a curation of... Uh, history in the making. Indeed. <laughs> when I started learning VR development, uh, one of the things that helped keep me focused and in the zone, as we've discussed, is a good music set list. Mm -hmm. For the last few weeks, we've been creating YouTube playlists for every podcast episode. My playlist is The Gamma. And my playlist is called Elements. You can find both of our playlists on our Zero to Start YouTube channel. This week's playlist includes acoustic guitar originals from Dave Matthews, Paul Simon, and It's a Mad Mad World 
by Kurt Smith of Tears for Fears with his daughter playing and singing along. I really feel like this is a time to stay calm and look at what's going on in the outside world. As Dave Matthews says, turning inside out and outside in as an opportunity to see the good in ourselves. I chose songs like Jim Iroquois Virtual Insanity and Mike Love's Permanent Holiday. And ultimately, I decided to bookend the playlist for this week with John Lennon's song Isolation and Kate Wolf's song Give Yourself to Love as a final sentiment of what has to happen in order for us to all get through this together, yet separately. I hope that this list provides reflection and a door for transformation. What's on the gamma list? I'm still trying to figure it out, but it will probably be filled with the lo-fi house music I've been listening to lately on this channel called Elf. It's spelled E-E-L-F, so I'm not sure if it's Elf or Elf, but uh, this channel features tracks by DJ Poolboy and DJ Adidas, DJ Boring, and they're set to old 90s VHS videos. What? Uh, it's really surreal. It has this very textural, acoustic vaporwave aesthetic. So if you know about vaporwave, which is this nostalgic Windows 95 aesthetic that is both an art form and a music style of like elevator music slowed down and mixed with easy listening jazz. The lo-fi music videos that this channel is putting out, they're these raw, naturally glitchy VHS aesthetics videos of the high school or, <laughs> you know, there's these kids hanging out outside. And so you're, it's this juxtaposition of, of what it was like when you could actually hang out with people in high school. <sighs> Yeah, what is normal anymore? We don't know. Thank goodness for the virtual world. <laughs> uh, you might also see some tracks from um, the 70s band America. I really like that song, Ventura Highway. Nice. I've been listening to it a lot. And A Horse With No Name, Bowie Stuck in My Head, uh, Sound and Vision. It's going to be perfect. Uh, instrumental, melodic, and classic. And awesome. Thanks for joining us on Zero to Start. Be sure to catch the playlist on our YouTube channel and check out our show notes for links to the things we covered in this episode. And thanks to our partners at Berkeley Community Media, Quirkly, and ARBR Women and Allies. Until next time, happy installing!